You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Poulos. Today, my guest is Coach Eric Clakely, head women's lacrosse coach at Presbyterian College. Coach Clakely is in his first season as head coach there, and unfortunately, it was cut short due to the coronavirus, but he has a lot of great insight to share with us today. We talk about the importance of having core fundamental values for a program the impact of consistent messaging and how that helped him and his staff overcome some of the struggles of recent history in the program and the skill of being flexible and adaptable as a coach and leader and how that trait contributes to your success as a leader. Presbyterian definitely has a bright future ahead with Coach Clakely at the helm. It was a great pleasure talking with him today, so please enjoy our conversation on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Hey, Coach Clakely, thanks for coming on the Captain's Coach Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, obviously, we're in a, a little bit of sporadic times here with COVID-19. And, and, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show. Really unfortunate situation for all programs. Uh, um, so, again, thanks for coming on the show. But... Uh, to start, I think, what are some of the, the fundamental values and principles that you preach or stress as a coaching staff and a program that really encourage leadership? Um, so our, our, our entire program or structure is built around, you know, a core value system. So the way I talk, you know, when I'm talking, you know, in recruiting or, you know, to parents and stuff like that, as we start to talk about program building, you know, we always talk about our core values um, and our core values are commitment, selflessness and constant performance improvement. Um, and we find a way to define them that they become more than just an athletic approach. You know, an example I always use is, you know, it's really easy to be committed during wind sprints and run through the line. Um, it's not always easy to be committed at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Um, and we talk a lot about how those decisions and our individual decision making has to apply and, and fit within the construct of those core values. Um, you know, we define them as a group or actually I defined them, but we understand and appreciate the definition of the group. So we all know what we're talking about when we're talking about commitment, when we're talking about selflessness, and when we're talking about CPI. And it, 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 it allows everybody to lead themselves while leading the group. And, and I do take, I, I have to give credit and, you know, source a lot of my information comes from, um, and a lot of the way we've tried to build our culture comes from, you know, Jack Clark and his speech in the What Drives Winning, um, you know, speaker series. And, you know, one of the things that he talked a lot 
a lot about is how leadership is not a seniority thing. Right. Everybody can be a leader. Every, you know, you know, where captain, you know, captains, you know, are chain, chain of command and essential to everything we do and certainly set the tone in leadership. Mm -hmm. But everybody on the roster can lead from where they're at. And we at Presbyterian allow them to do that is through their core values and giving them the latitude to make their own decisions. You know, I don't have a rule packet that we give them on the first day that's, you know, 10 pages long and 50 rules and tells them exactly what to do and when to do it and all of that. Um, You know, instead we, 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 opt to allow them to make decisions through our core values and those definitions and their understanding and then hopefully hold each other accountable to that so when somebody makes a mistake obviously if it's a big enough mistake i'm going to find out right away but when somebody maybe you know doesn't hold themselves to their core values there's a corrective action taken before i even find out about it right yeah no and i i really really, really like when programs kind of set out those core values very, very blankly um, or uh, blatantly. You know, Army Lacrosse, we had family, toughness, tradition. uh, When you, a coaching staff, decide on a, a small group of principles and values, you define them in a way that your entire team can understand and people buy into like you said one it gives everyone a measuring stick two you can apply those values and principles away from or game day and apply it to your everyday life and then three like you said it, it also creates that accountability of hey we all bought into these values we all know and agreed upon what those values definitions are and when you study acting outside of those values you can make a correction because you know from every from every position on the field every player on your team knows what those values boundaries are and when someone acts out of them they have no problem addressing that problem individually um, whether they be a captain, an upperclassman, or a coach. So I think that's a great place to start as a coaching staff to kind of set the tone for, for the kind of environment and leadership culture you want in a program. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that, ha- that you know, to preface kind of this entire conversation we're going to have is, you know, understanding a little bit where the Presbyterian lacrosse program was when I got here and, and that was in you know a little bit of fluctuation you know I'm I was the third head coach in three years um you know mm. you know it doesn't take a lot of research to to find out you know historically you know we've you know the program has struggled to, to maintain you know a competitive balance in the big south or in division one in general um and and on to start it all <laughs> My first day was the same day the freshmen moved in. Mm-hmm. So I drove from, you know, Eastern Pennsylvania through the night to Clinton, South Carolina, and I showed up and I got there about 9.30 and then I think the freshmen started moving in at 10. So there was wow. a ton of time to kind of, obviously I had my thoughts in order, but we didn't have, you know, maybe that entire summer to, 
get a jump start on recruiting and, and right. get into the office and, and, and get into the locker room and get stuff set up. You know, we kind of had to hit the ground running pretty quickly. Yep. And um, and I and I and I felt having the four values was kind of the easiest way for me to come in, make an impression on the group, and then also allow them to start taking ownership from day one and realizing that it was going to be a new culture. It was going to be a new construct or infrastructure is the word I use a lot. Um, you know, and, and how all of those things come together in order to looking at the big picture while at the same time really focusing on today. So I know those are, that's like a contradictory sentence, but you know, that was kind of what I was looking for in the value system was it was a way to say, you know what, ultimately, you know, in five years, we want to be, you know, this type of program. But, you know, today we still need to believe in what we're doing and do everything we can to improve. And, you know, while there's drills and coaching tactics and all that stuff certainly plays a role, more importantly, it's getting the buy-in, it's getting the appreciation for the core values, and it's getting them to, you know, the athletes to want to do that. And, and I was very fortunate that they, they bought into it. Yeah, I mean, the infrastructure is such a big piece. And, and like you said, I, you know, I like the term infrastructure that you use there. It's, it's kind of the lattice work of, you know, how you develop a program. And, and I don't think it's a contradictory statement to say, hey, you know, we have to look long term and plan for the future while focusing on today. It, it, it's kind of, hey, long-term strategy, like you said, where do we want to be in five years and work that back? Okay, where do we want to be in three years? Where do we want to be in one year? Where do we want to be in six months, one month, next week? Kind of work yourself back all the way to today and you make sure all of those kind of milestones and goals are lined up with each other and within each other. So I think that's a great, a great mental model for coaches out there kind of going through the same sort of situations maybe or, or rebuilding process. What other, what other challenges or, or maybe what has been your biggest challenge so far in terms of program development and, and how are some ways that you, you and the rest of your coaching staff have, have overcome it? Um, you know, I, I, I think the, the largest challenge or obstacle that we face and, and that we have worked to overcome was the lack of stability. And, and it's, it's less about having different people in the head coach's chair, and more about how drastically different our messaging to the athletes was mm -hmm. over three years. So, you know, you look at my juniors and seniors who had three coaches in four years or three coaches right. in three years. And when the messaging is drastically different, you know, that I think there's a little bit of trepidation there in terms of believing, you know, oh, this is the one, this is, this is what's going to work, or this is what's going to do that. Um, this is what's going to make us a better team, make me a better teammate. Um, and, you know, in working through that, as well as just, you know, empowering them to hold each other, you know, to a standard. I think there was an element in, in the past that maybe, you know, there was more of, you know, a coaching style, and I'm not saying anything negative about any coach that came for me. I'm just saying, you know, our styles differed in the terms of how how we 
you know, made corrections or how we, how we tried to build for the future. And, and, and I think there was, there was a little bit of, we just want to stay friends. We just want to, you know, stay cohesive. We want it. We want to stay, you know, we didn't want that friction that sometimes is a huge part of team building. Right. You know? And that, that's a phrase I said a lot in the fall and luckily had to say less in the spring was, you know, a little bit of friction isn't a problem as long as it doesn't start a fire. Right. Yeah, and, no, I like that. That's great. And, and, and so, you know, I think that was our largest obstacle. Once again, you know, not saying anything about those that came before me, only talking about my approach, the, the biggest obstacle I had in my approach was, I think, you know, because of the lack of stability and the lack of, um, you know, consistent messaging from year right, to year, right. consistent development program, you know, there, there was an obstacle there in terms of, you know, getting them to understand why everything was important and from a leadership aspect, why, you know, leading yourself to lead each other was important. You know, how a yeah. freshman can lead, a junior can lead, a senior can, mm -hmm. you know, be by leading themselves. Yeah, the consistency of messaging and the consistent message is such a big piece because there's having so much turnover in a coaching staff and having such instability in an environment, I'm sure that kind of adds to the, the lack of willingness to create friction among teammates because with all that turmoil and turnover, if you have nothing else to lean on, at least you can have the default. So once you're, you're able to create kind of that stability of an environment, I think that that's when the friction is really able to come out without being catastrophic and, and completely causing huge fires. So that, that I think is a big piece that comes along with the, the stability piece and having a consistent message. Absolutely. Is there, is there anything that you do as a staff to systematically train or develop leaders, you know, outside of outlining your core values? Are there any kind of programs you had your captains go through or, you know, you've obviously only been there a few months, less than a year. Um, is there anything to see you as a program doing to systematically train or develop leaders? Um, it's certainly something, you know, we have to do more of. Um, I think this year, you know, not, you know, one of the things I was focused on this year, you know, in terms of developing leaders was making sure we get a consistent messaging, you know, from our captains and get it to, you know, trickle down through the classes to get, you know, the, the desired result in terms of, you know, culture building and program building. Um, so, you know, it's something we need to do more of and certainly something that, you know, as we talk about it and as we think about it and as I now have all this time on my hands to kind of reconsider how we'll approach next year, it's certainly a factor in what, you know, we will do going forward in that sort of, you know, I know they're not professionals, but the term that's coming to mind is professional development or um, stuff like that. So what we did this year was I did try to keep a pretty close tabs on the cap not in terms of what was happening, you know, what the inner team dynamics were. I didn't want to know like examples or like what's going on or like tell me everything, you know, but more how they needed my support and they needed my help 
with, you know, approaching different situations. So, right. you know, the, the answer to your question from a, you know, a, you know, a program or, you know, a leadership development course, you know, there wasn't anything specifically we did. And that's certainly something we need to evaluate for future years. But, you know, we certainly tried to keep a tab on what was going on and then use our experience as a coaching staff to help them make decisions and make guidelines and, you know, you know, serve the best they possibly could as the captains of the 2020 lacrosse team. Right. No, and I think that's huge. Uh, you know, even if you don't have specific programs or, you know, like workshop type things that you put your captains through. I mean, what you guys are doing is still a lot more than what a lot of coaches are doing in some programs where they kind of set it and forget it. The captains are not a lot of interaction from that point on. Um, so I think you guys at least providing some sort of framework decision-making assistance, some guidelines, that in and of itself is doing more than you know in terms of developing leaders on your program. Because those, those messages, whether you know it or not, and whether your captains know it or not, that kind of decision-making skill is put down to the lower classes or put it, being pushed down from the captains to the rest of the team, um, whether it's on a conscious or subconscious level. That's it's a huge piece. Any coach who's out there that, you know, isn't in a position to start a captain's program or, or a development course, at the very least, you can have, you know, that's one of the biggest pieces of coaches and captain's relationship is the communication piece. So I think you're, you're well on your way there in terms of uh, the leadership development piece. Um, how did you select your captains this year and, and, you know, some of the programs you've been a part of in the past, how have they selected captains and what do you think is kind of the most effective uh, for your program going forward? Well, this is, and before we even, you know, started to discuss, you know, this interview and participating in this program, you know, it's something that, you know, we've been discussing as a coaching staff pretty heavily because, you know, I, I think, not only is how do you select in terms of coach choice, player voting, player nominating, and coach choosing, or you know the, the multiple different ways you can do it. I think the timing for me is my biggest concern. Right. So this year, you know, talking about the past before I get into kind of what my plans are for the future. This year, I you know inherited a team with two captains, and I added a third myself within the first week I was there just in terms of, you know, there was, you know, the right number of upperclassmen, seniors versus, you know, so there was a junior captain and a senior captain there. And then, you know, um, you know, another senior that I felt was certainly deserving to be a captain that were already chosen before I got there. So I did decide to kind of roll with it because that was, you know, once again, going back to earlier, when you come in May and you come in in June, you know, you have a little bit more time Right. To construct and, and to tear down and build back up. I was more in a triage situation mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in terms of trying to decide exactly, you know, what we needed to change right away and, and, and what we could kind of live with and evolve over time. Um, and I certainly was happy with all my conversations with the three individuals that were selected as captains. 
So that was obviously a situation that will never repeat itself in terms of no one else is going to come in and choose my captain for me. Right. Um, you know, in the past, you know, I felt the nominating process and then the player vote process is a good way to go about it because, you know, I know a term that gets thrown around a lot is popularity contest, but at the same time, you need somebody in that role that people are willing to listen. Right. And, um, you know, I'm not a strong believer that, like, you have to be a senior to be a captain. You know, once again, that's a seniority thing versus a leadership thing or a seniority thing versus a chain of command thing. And, and, and I just think they play different roles. Um, I think in lacrosse specifically or maybe all spring sports, but, you know, I've only had experience in lacrosse. The question becomes, do you pick your captains at the end of this year yep. or next year and you come into fall ball with captains? Right. Or is it important enough for the freshmen, next year's freshmen, to have a say in who the captains are and select them towards the end of fall ball? Right. And I think that's where I'm, you know, those are the two situations that we're kind of going back and forth on, talking about, you know, just trying to make a decision um, that makes the most sense. Like I said, I do have a junior captain from this year's team um, that ultimately I do anticipate being a captain again next year. Right. So, you know, that's once again a different situation than I haven't encountered, but I certainly think um, there's a lot to go that goes into that deciding factor. Who has a bigger say, this year's seniors and next year's captains or next year's freshmen? I tend right. to lean to think that next year's freshmen should have a say ultimately in, you know, who who their captains are, just just as much as sophomores and juniors um, and seniors, you know, all have a say. So, you know, we're probably looking at, I probably won't wait until the end of fall, but we're probably looking at naming captains, you know, the first week of October um, and our process will be, you know, you know, we'll use the seniors as our conduit from a coaching staff for that first, you know, couple weeks of fall ball. Yep. Um, and then, you know, ultimately our process will be, you know, you cannot, you know, everyone nominates captains um, and then you can vote for as many or as a few as you choose. Right. Right. Um, you know, because I don't think there's a set number. I think you can have one captain, two captain, you know, I don't think there's a set number on how many you can have. And then where the coach's role will come in is after we compile the votes, kind of deciding where that, you know, line is. How yeah. many votes do you need to be a captain? But that is something that I'll be honest, I'm going to look in, I'm going to look at in the retrospect. I'm not going to say you need to get 11 votes out of 25 mm -hmm. um, to be a captain. You know, we'll look at it. And, and, and I know in past years, you know, from when I was an assistant, you know, we had one year where we, you know, we had typically had, you know, three captains or whatever, but, you know, the first two received, you know, each of them received, you know, I think 50 to 75% more votes right. than everybody that came after. And right. so it kind of had been clear that the team had chosen kind of their elements. And right. so that, that, that is something that's, that's the system I'm looking at right now. Um, you know, my biggest thing about captains is I don't want it to, I don't want it to detract from what we're 
I want it to add to what we're doing. Yeah. And obviously everybody wants to be a captain and a lot of people deserve to be captains and, you know, my opinion, but I, I don't want to put individuals in a situation where they're expecting it and then they don't get it. And then the, the emotion of that carries over. And that is why we do stress so much. You know, it's another reason why we stress the difference between being a captain and being in that position in the chain of command and being a leader. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, so we can hopefully soften that blow. I know it's unrealistic to think we can completely take away, you know, that feel of that feeling of loss or that feeling of excitement when you get named a captain. But, um, you know, the other thing that helps is with the nomination process. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes you get that opportunity where a few players turn down their nomination because mm-hmm. help with that process. And mm-hmm. so we just, we just kind of see how it'll go. Um, but I, like I said, I don't see myself going the entire fall without captains, but I don't at the same time see myself naming captains um, before summer break. And obviously this year is different because it's March 24th and my team's already home. But, um, but I, I don't, I don't see a situation where we name captains, you know, before the summer. Yeah, no. And that's, uh, you know, the two questions you have, uh, you know, moving forward, I think are the two most important questions, especially like you said, for, for a spring sport. And I, I've seen West Point, we had our captains selected. We voted for our captains, the our last official team meeting of the spring. So the outgoing seniors had a vote and ultimately the next year's freshmen didn't really have a say. Um, but I, I think in the long run that was good because West Point's a little bit of a different situation because we do a lot of stuff over summer. For or the senior captains or whoever the captains are to have an eye on the team during the summer. They can check in check in with coach and a lot of logistics that go into to fall ball with coming back to school. And again, just some inherent challenges of being at West Point. But I definitely think there's some value in having your incoming freshman vote and have a say in who their leadership is. And that's where, again, the, the consistency of messaging and outlining your core values and principles is such a big part when you when you have your team vote for captains and like you said you never want it to become a popularity contest so if you kind of outline your values every single day and and have a common definition of them people are going to start to look for or their best friend to vote for but people they know embody those those values to their core and and i think if if you have that, your captains are always going to end up being the quote unquote right people for the job. Um, so, so I think moving forward, I think you have a great, a great mindset there and any coaches out there, maybe some things that you haven't thought about in your, in your captain selection process, definitely a lot there for you to, for you to chew on and, and kind of dissect in your own program and what your needs are. Um, how do you feel you make the biggest impact as a coach on your players or, or your captain specifically in their kind of leadership development? Um, I think it's my, my, my ability and my um, willingness um, to adjust my messaging 
based upon what the team needs. Um, being and, and I don't know if that was convoluted a little bit, but being flexible as a leader, I think, is essential in today's um, climate. Um, realizing that, you know, all, you know, I had 22 on the team this year, which was small and will be a little bit bigger next year, but realizing that all 22, you know, need on an individual basis, need motivated and coached differently. But then the messaging to the group has to be consistent. Right. And I think my, my willingness to, my willingness to kind of make those adjustments and make those uh, and be flexible and, and how I, how I treat the group and, you know, realizing the hard line isn't always the approach to go. Well, sometimes it's necessary, Yep. but not always going back to the same bag of tricks or trying something. You know, I go, I go back to a fall ball practice, um, you know, and I, and I, and I, I had a player, actually their parent brought it up to me, you know, um, in a setting, you know, later in the fall, you know, where we had two days back to back where we just weren't our best. And, you know, it, it happens. It is part of it. And the first day I was certainly very, you know, I, I was a little bit on edge and I, and I definitely, you know, was trying to take some corrective actions in a more firm and, you know, direct manner. And I just never throughout the two hour practice slot saw the improvement. You know, the energy was, you know, a little bit more tense. And it was really my first time realizing how as a head coach, you set the energy for practice. Yep. And I and I'd always I I had always said it, you know, I said it in interviews, I said it in, you know, the 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 packet we put together for the future of Presbyterian, you know, I said that the head coach sets the energy. But it was my first time firsthand realizing how that how that happens. And yeah. then the next day, and I, and I and it really was more subconscious. It wasn't something that like I set out as an objective for myself for practice that day. But we did one of our EDDs or our everyday drills, and um, once again, the performance was not exactly where it should have been. And I kind of took a real hard turn in the other direction. And, you know, went with a much more positive approach, you know, in terms of, you know, let's go, let's get after the next one or, you know, whatever it was I may have said. And they responded much better. They, they responded infinitely better. And we had, you know, that drill still was a negative. That drill still was a minus, you know, it didn't change it instantly. But the rest of practice improved as the two hours went on and then by the end we were able to really hone in and focus on whatever that particular day's objective was and while I'm not you know I say to recruits all the time you know it's division one athletics it's not sunshine and rainbows every day you know and 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 I lived to that and you know when they you know there are days where you have to coach them hard and and, and get them you know to realize what you're talking about is serious but that was a day that I realized, you know, there are, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. And, and yeah. this particular group needs that type of approach sometimes to keep that energy and to keep that emotional level at a high enough level to get better. 
because you know we talked you know we talked about my values a lot early on but you know a big part of cpi you know the way we talk about it is it's doing everything physically emotionally and mentally possible to get better if you don't have those last two pieces you're not emotionally in the right spot or mentally in the right spot you're never going to physically improve right and and so i realized that it was my part of cpi to make sure that I was doing the best I could to keep them in that space. Um, And I know the question was about how, and I, and I think that's the biggest thing I do that hopefully rubs off on all the players, but you know, especially the captains that you can't take the same approach to every problem and you can't take the same messaging to every single person on an individual basis. You have to be willing to adapt. You have to be willing to be flexible, never wavering on what you believe, but the way you deliver the message, the way you deliver the correct action, the way you deliver the, you know, the, the solution, you can be flexible in that regard. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that's a huge impact you have on your players. You know, there's, there's two big uh, principles we have at the captain coach, some of our, our base leadership form of self-expression and then another one of ours is that leadership is an art and you know your your comments now coach remind me of a great book that's out there on leadership it's called leadership in balance the fulcrum centric method uh it's by an author michael lorario and it's kind of all about how hey we all have and we we have these natural tendencies that given any situation we, we might end up leaning towards, but then we have to kind of use the given situation and a, a center point or a fulcrum to kind of balance everything out. And I think your approach and, and your ability to be flexible and adjust to certain situations and know what your team needs, that really does wear off and rub off on your, your captains and, and the rest of your players realizing Hey, the message is still consistent, but the the kind of uh, the is basis in the situation. Um, and and I think, like you said, you saw the impact of that firsthand, um, just one day compared to the next, and, and kind of how that looked. So I think that is a huge impact for for all leaders out there. And there's a reason why uh, leading by example is one of the best ways to to kind of have results at the end of the day. So. I think, I think you're definitely going down the right path there. And, and I think you're spot on that you know, impacts you're having on, on your players so far as a coach. Um, it, are, is there any other advice that you have either for, for team captains or coaches out there looking for guidance in the leadership development realm? Um, I think, I think the only area where I'm in a position right now to give a ton of guidance or, or any guidance is you know to other coaches that maybe you're coming into a similar situation that I came into, and you know where you have big dreams, you have big goals, you you know what you want the program to look like in five years, which is where I'm at. Um, you know I know where I know what I want this program to look like four seasons from now, but you have there has to be a willingness to in those first couple years 
roll with the punches and, 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 you know, and really choose what you can improve on each and every day. I think there's this method or belief out there that the easiest way to do it is to rip off the Band-Aid and go full bore from day one. Right. And I think that that can work for a lot of places that can work, you know, especially at schools where maybe you have, you know, a lot of resources or unlimited resources or, you know, you have different pieces. But I also think there's also the element of considering what your athletes have gone through before you got there and how right. you can improve their student athlete experience. Right. And from a leadership perspective, and, you know, and spinning that to the captains or to a leadership perspective, you know, like I said, like, I think one of the worst things I could have done this year would have been to say, well, we don't have captains yet. I'll choose the captains or we'll choose the captains later. You take that title away before giving anybody a chance to kind of fit into that role or see if they, maybe they did earn it and they don't need to go through that first two weeks of being like, wow, I just met this guy and he already took away my captain title. Um, you know, because it, it certainly wasn't something I was anticipating was inheriting captains. Um, but, you know, I ended up having the right three individuals in those spots. And so, yes, maybe I was lucky or that that was, you know, something that was certainly a very fortunate situation I was in. But I think that that's my biggest that would be my biggest piece of advice to somebody that's coming into a small school, um, you know, maybe a program that, you know, has struggled, you know, ultimately that's where a lot of coaching changes are made, um, you know, is to, you know, realize, you know, what you want it to look like down the road and don't, don't sacrifice from that or don't waver from that and believe you can do it, but realize that maybe it doesn't all need to be done on your first, you know, your first hundred days, you know, in, in the head coach's chair, that, that you can, you can make small concessions here and there, or, you know, really attack the bigger problems to start with, and then, you know, really build it down, and, and, and then really get into the intricacies of what's going on. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I don't mean to say that in a regard that the small details don't matter, because they do. They might be the only thing that does matter <laughs> is the small details and the way we do little things and all that certainly matters. But my point would be more, you have to be willing to assess and adapt and not just come in with a philosophy that this is the way it has to be done. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's a, a great sentiment that any coach can really uh, take adherence to and we, as humans and go-getters, we consistently overestimate what we can do in one really underestimate what we can push down the road. So that's not running into things right away. Feeling like we have to take the brakes off slowly, we can definitely be more gradual across the board uh, and kind of just coaches that are in uh, a new program developing a program from the start. Um, I, I think that applies in, in most, if, if not all situations really. 
um, you know, I've taken up some some of your time this morning, Coach. So we'll uh, we'll get down here to the the last couple questions. And you know, my favorite question, since it's it's different every time, and there's such a broad range of answers. What is your definition of leadership? Um, you know, from a general sense, you know, my definition of leadership is it, it would be the ability to to a, impact those around you in a positive um direction that yeah that doesn't sound uh, that wasn't as clear as i wanted it to be but yes no, that, it, that it would really be my, my definition of leadership is is like i said the, the the ability to impact those around you based upon your own decisions your own actions and the way you're able to motivate them in in a certain direction our our, our definition of leadership you know within our program you know, is your ability to lead by example through the core values and to help your teammates make appropriate decisions that also allow them to lead themselves through the core values. Um, once again, it all comes back to that. Um, you know, that's not exactly how we define it, but, you know, that's essentially what leadership within our program means. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think the, there's a lot about, you know, leadership's evolving. Um, you know, it, it's always wanting to be better. It's always wanting to do something, um, you know, is to improve on your skill set or improve on your messaging. And, you know, and I think just as much as, you know, you have to evolve as a leader, you know, as a young coach, my belief in what a good leader is or my definition of leadership you know, is constantly evolving. And I think, you know, we've seen that over the past, you know, 10 days or 12 days, whatever it's been now, um, you know, where, you know, the, the stuff really hits the fan and, and, and who's, who's willing to, you know, you know, there's a sense of loss for everyone. And I, and I don't want to diminish that, but who's stepping up to help their teammates, even though they're yeah. hurting. Yep. Um, yeah. who's stepping up to, you know, let the freshman know it's okay. Like it, it, it doesn't always end like this. It, you know, right. yes, we have more to accomplish. We have more to do, you know, but you know, who's, who, who's in that role now? And I don't always know. Cause like I said, they're all over the country right now. They're not all in Clinton, South Carolina, where, you know, I can look at all of them at once, but you know, those are where the real leaders are. Um, you know, is who's helping do that? Who's, and then at the same time, who are the emerging leaders? You know, yeah. who are, who's reaching out to the captains? Who's thinking about, or not the captains, the seniors, you know, who's helping them through this unbelievably, you know, kind of unbelievable experience and having something that they, they've de devoted their lives to taken away. Um, you know, who, who are the emerging leaders that are thinking about them and that are, you know, you know, checking on them and helping them through this. Um, so I, I know, Luke, it probably wasn't the clearest definition and I probably should have, you know, had something really nice and, you know, organized to say in that, for that question. But, you know, I, I, I think it's leadership is the ability to impact those. No, no, that, that's a great answer. And, you know, it's right in line with our, our second tentative leadership at, at the captain's coach is that leadership is influence. You know, John Maxwell says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. It, it really is the, the ability 
to influence and impact the outcomes and the decisions of those around you for for the common good, for the the greater good of your your team, your organization, um, just those around you in general. So I think that that really is in line with with kind of what leadership is uh, on a general and very specific level, both and and kind of how you frame that around your team and and kind of what you've been looking for and keeping an eye out. I, I think that's it's spot on when it comes to leadership. Um, so yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there, and and I like that definition for sure. Um, are there uh, are there any books that you most often recommend to your players or or other coaches or or just? Um, well, to my players, we talk a lot about that. Like I said, it's a, it's a, I think it's only, it's not a very long speaker series. It's not a book. It's a, it's a speaker series. Um, the what drives winning, especially the Jack Clark um you know part because i do think because he talks about cpi and stuff like that but in terms of books i mean a book i read a uh, freshman year of college but i also think i had read it before then and i've um you know certainly gone back to it two or three times is quiet strength by tony dungy yeah that's um, great i listened to that recently it's awesome awesome book. And, and for the most part and you know for me i am not necessarily Tony Dungy-esque in a lot of ways. You know, I am a, you know, I, I am a louder individual. I do like to lead through exuberance and through passion. Um, not that he's not passionate. He's obviously incredibly passionate about what he does, but more from an aspect of, once again, there's multiple different ways to do things. And, and, and there's, and that there's that social norms or, you know, those types of things don't like you don't have to be the same hard-nosed captain or the same hard-nosed coach or the same you know soft quiet coach um you know once again not calling tony dungy soft in any regard <laughs> but you know I, I i've taken a lot um from that book um there there was also um there's a book out there you know, more about, it's about leadership, but more about individual development called Beyond Grit. Um, and it certainly has a lot of, you know, it talks a lot about, you know, just like everybody is, but, you know, talks a lot about defining your why um, and finding, finding your why. Um, and that is something we tried to do as a team, you know, kind of this spring was define our why, put it down on a note card, make it concise, you know, why do you do this? Why do you devote your life to this? Why do you sacrifice so much of your college experience for this? Um, and, and I think, you know, Beyond Grit helped me a lot with being able to communicate to the athletes, you know, why, why their why is important. <laughs> um, yeah. so those would be two that would, you know, right off the top of my head come to mind, but I certainly think every athlete and coach you know, that has the time should, should take the opportunity to, to read Quiet Strength. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I agree with you. The Quiet Strength's a great one. Um, we actually had a, a former Colts strength coach on the podcast a couple months back, and he obviously was a, a huge Tony Dungy fan. He book there. But uh, Coach Clakely, thank you so much for, for coming on the Captain's Coach podcast and talking with me this morning. All right. Thank, yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulos.
If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.